Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom What a year it's been. We are closing the year out today with a great episode. But before we hop into it, I just wanted to pop in here and say hi, happy new year. And if you're feeling lonely these days with all of the craziness, please join us in our private membership. It's an amazing community to seek high vibrational refuge in. We have regular community calls, circles on all sorts of subjects, and we discuss everything that's far too taboo for social media. You are so welcome to join us. You can go to freebirthsocietycourses.com slash membership to apply. Also, we still have spots left in the Blood Mysteries School, which begins early February. And I just want to say here that this program is the foundational next step to your continued education in how to serve women outside the system. You'll learn how to support women in infertility, with PCOS, endometriosis, progesterone deficiency, and so much more. We must become the holistic alternatives to the medical system for true revolution to take place. I'm really proud of this program and it is truly the perfect alchemy of combining the science with the sacred of our female blood mysteries. Oh, and we are offering discovery calls for any of you on the fence to talk to the teachers themselves. So just reach out to us at info at freebirthsociety.com or you could DM us at freebirthsociety on Instagram and we'll get you sorted. And we are still enrolling for the Radical Birthkeeper School, which begins in March. You can find out more about both of these programs at freebirthsocietycourses.com. Okay, so... We are bringing our year to a close with the wonderful Saima from the UK on the show today. After she left her marriage and her doula-ing career, at the same time, Saima was ready to make some big changes, and so she did. Now a successful graduate of the first round of the Radical Birthkeeper School, she is living her dream life in Portugal with a thriving coaching practice. Saima shares what her life has shaped into beyond the school, as she stepped fully into integrity-based birth work and left the system behind. Saima! <laughs> Hello! Welcome. Love to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is exciting. This is exciting because of lots of reasons, but let's preface this, um, yeah, this episode with 
what I just said to you when we weren't recording, which is that I want to do an episode that, um, yeah, really celebrates what you have got going since you graduated from the RBK school. You were a part of our first round uh, last summer. Oh my God, yeah. it feels like there's been 27 <laughs> million lifetimes since then. Okay, last summer, wow, it hasn't even been that long, a year and a half at the time of this recording. And um, yeah, I wanted to have you on to share your personal journey of who you were before the school as a doula. I was remembering when we got, got we're about to get on this call that you had emailed me like a, you know, you had seen people like talking shit about me in the Facebook groups and had been like, uh, can we like discuss this? Cause you might be a really terrible person, <laughs> but I'm glad that I won you over and you took the school and you are just rocking your business. You're rocking your Instagram. You are coaching and yeah, you've just had a really amazing, um, like growth curve, I guess you could say. So yeah. I just want to talk about all of that. And I know that so many women will relate to who you were, um, you know, before, and you are an example of, you know, what is possible, not just if you go through the school, like obviously plug for the school, but also in the larger context, what is possible when you commit to yourself and discovering your own truth, have a community behind you and take the freaking leap, which you really did. So yeah, that's what I want to talk about. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, I'm so excited to share more. And yeah, I remember very clearly emailing you being like, some people have told me that like free birth society is a cult. So I just wanted to check, like, can I speak to you and see if you're a cult leader? <laughs> so stupid. And doesn't, yeah, doesn't, doesn't a cult, doesn't a cult, like, isn't it based on that you can't leave? <laughs> isn't that like a part of the, the like fundamental... <laughs> pretense of it oh god so, well, what, did yeah, you, was, what did you discover Simon? <laughs> so yeah it's hilarious really now looking back on it and just how like these you know people have really strong beliefs around like what they think and then if you're saying something differently with like a lot of making a lot of sense really that it, it suddenly gets compartmentalized into like don't go there um Danger. but yeah I think I just had this feeling like I, you know, I can tell you what I was going through at the time when I heard the advert for free, for the Radical Birth Keeper School. And I was, I'd been a doula for a few years and I'd just come out of a really bad hospital birth. Like, you know, that classic, like second time mum, she wanted this birth to be different. Like, and she had hired me basically like with 30 days to her due date to be like, I'm going to have a home birth now and you're going to be there. And like, it's all going to be great. And then like in that time that she just got pulled into the exact same story of her first pregnancy and she went for the induction. It turned into like forceps again, like theater, like all of the thing. And I was just like, it was just like a very slow, like car, like watching the car crash. And I, it was also in these like times where, I wasn't really supposed to be in hospital because of the times that we're living in and I'd managed to negotiate to be there so her partner could be there and then we'd swap because they were only allowing one birth partner in at a time which obviously makes no sense because <laughs> we're both in and out of the room um but I you know for the birth I went home and he, he came for the, the end and then she texted me later and sort of told me what had happened and I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, why does this keep happening? Like every birth I go to, it's the same. And it doesn't matter if I'm there or not. Like it's, 
it's the set like no one is giving birth without intervention like it's I'm like can can women even give birth without intervention like in my doula training I was taught that like this is birth physiology but no like birth physiology actually doesn't happen right. and I really I'd only been to hospital births like that was my thing um I think in London in general they're all like women thinking oh I've you know the doula's gonna help me have the birth that I want in the hospital so mm-hmm. I'll hire her and then it's the, it's the thing where you're like you do the two antenatal preparation sessions and you've you know but you actually just don't tell them the truth you just like tell them what could happen oh, and you you support them right whatever they want even if it's like going to lead to trouble you just support them like in their bad decisions don't project your <laughs> stuff onto them I remember having a client when I was a doula, having a client that was going to be with a doctor who um, regularly raped women with instruments. And I had seen it multiple times. And I remember talking with this other doula about it and being like so confused about how to let her know. And the other chick was like, well, I do birthing from within where it's very important you don't project any of your own stuff onto the mother and so I don't think you should let her know that you've seen negative experiences and that was a big marker for me like looking back that was right before I called the whole thing off and was like but if I had a rapist in my friend group I would definitely tell my homies that we're going to go on a date with him why is this any different oh it's actually not you know yeah well I'm glad you figured it out a lot sooner than I did yeah I think it just is for some reason in the medical system like it's just so normalized and we're primed from such a young age that it's okay for to be abused at doctor's appointments at you know nurse appointments and all those things and everywhere though it's only when everywhere yeah I still hadn't clocked it till I heard the podcast though and I was like whoa yeah actually all of this is abuse and let's call it what it is and once it's there you can't unsee it and there's no way that I could go to another hospital birth after I realized what it was Mm -hmm. and I I was I was actually in quite a a turbulent time in my personal life because I'd actually the week that I did my doula training I left my ex my ex-husband now um And then I'd been in this lengthy, the whole time I was being a doula, I was in this sort of um, victim mode with my ex-husband and not realizing like that I was co-creating this problem. And so I had no income now being a doula because I wasn't allowed to attend hospital births because of the situation. And I had a lot of legal expenses and I was like in a quite dire financial position where I was like living with my brother like not, you know, he wasn't making me pay rent. I was like, just my savings were disappearing before my eyes. And I was like, what has happened to my life? Oh. <laughs> and then I had your advert and I was like, oh, but I need to do this. Like, this is calling me. And like, I couldn't explain, like, I, I feel like I hadn't even known what a whole body yes was mm. until I, ha- I heard the Radical Birth Keeper School, you know, soundtrack on the the start of the podcast (laughs) and every time I hear it now I still get like goosebumps and it took a lot of work for me to like convince myself that I I was worth like that investment in in myself especially at this time where finances were very challenging um but I I was like I just did it and it's like the thing that has really 
revolutionized my life. Like we talked, I feel like we talked so much about this like transformational birth coaching, but I feel like I was like transformationally born <laughs> through this experience and just like being surrounded by like-minded women, the tools, you know, what I learned about birth, like, it's, you know, it's a whole different level, isn't it? To your d- average doula training, like, I can't even believe they're that that's training. Same, yeah, they're not even in the same. It's not a doula training, right? And it, yeah. I mean, the coaching is like, first we heal, then we teach. Like, we've got to do our work first if we're going to be functioning at this high of a level. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd been in like personal therapy for some time and I'd been doing like a lot of work around obviously like the unhealthy relationships I'd formed and that I was like deep in victim and you know the drama triangle which we learned in the school was like massive for me that I just realized I was like on that the whole time and it was up to me how I progressed with the rest of my life really and I got to take control I got to shift above the line like all of these things that I'm just like why doesn't everyone like I wish everyone understood these tools and of course like now in my work with pregnant women I'm just like I wish you know everyone had this and it's not even about birth or birth physiologies it's just like a way of being and like understanding the world and I think that's also what I didn't realize about the schools I thought it was just going to be about birth but it was actually about like life your own personal work business like all of these things that again like doula training just does not like it does not teach you about setting up a business and that was actually really beneficial for me was like learning things about like ideal client and how much money do you actually want to make in a year right like so much of the doula community is in scarcity around like how much they can charge and like should they be charging and like it's you know really a lot of women who it's a hobby and therefore they don't charge very much and then those of us who need to earn like can't and and we're all just like caught in this like oh but we shouldn't charge too much and we you know all of these shoulds and shouldn'ts and like it was just such like an awakening to be like oh I've actually been living in scarcity and for my whole life you know really up until this point and I won by saying yes to the school by investing in it that was already like opening up abundance and then taking all these further steps into money mindset and asking questions and how much do I actually want to earn and how can I actually make earning like make this my main thing right because I'd always been like sort of doing a part-time job or doing this and that and like trying to just piece the money together and now actually to be like I'm in charge and I can actually choose you know how I work and what I charge what I'm worth it was all you know all of that stuff was huge for me totally and there's something to be said for you know we very purposely as we share in the course, you know, made, made the price be, I mean, I guess it's all relative, right? Like midwifery school is like 20 to 80 K. So, okay. It's nothing like that. It's $6,000, but we purposely priced it, you know, what most people would consider high because then women show up super fucking invested. And that's, a game changer, right? If it's like throwaway money, then women aren't going to be like committing to their businesses and and really using this and coming to every class. And, you know, that was very intentional and it's been really, really cool to see, you know, not everyone's like a hundred percent in, but a lot of women are. And you're a really great example of that, of like needing this to work 
but not from a victim consciousness, but from like a truly inspired, like you are transforming and then you're going to put your stuff out on a whole new level, which creates a positive feedback loop, you know, with your environment and your freaking living proof of that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's been incredible just to, to see the growth and how, you know, my investment has gone such a long way. You know, I never expected this, like putting this into myself would now mean that I am able to like live, live the life that I want. Like it opened so many doors for me. So now I run my business online. I mainly teach radical birth education. Um, I specialize with women in the UK and first time mothers mainly do one-to-one coaching. I also work with birth workers in the UK around money mindset and their business you know, what they need to work on, because that's something that's totally missed in the doula, doula trainings in the UK. Um, and I get to, I currently live on like a tropical island <laughs> and I'm about to buy a property here. <laughs> like, ha- oh like I'm just like in 18 months, right? I did the school in June, 2020. And 18 months later, I've like at least 10 X my investment and living, you know, living the dream life that I want. Oh my God. And I, I do, I like, I put, a huge amount of it down to the school and of course like you, you do work and I've consistently like s- s- done more work as I go along as of course you know and but it's been amazing also to work so closely with you and Yolanda in the school and see like you're you're doing it you know you're you showed us that this is possible and it is just <laughs> unreal <That's awesome. laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about your Instagram because you are yeah, like you said, 18 months out, you have in the last year and a half, what are, what are you at now? 10K, right? Yeah, just over 10K. So that's freaking awesome. That's huge. And that's a really big audience that you've built in less than two years. Because what were you before the school? So like 100. <laughs> <laughs> totally so tell me about that what what have you like like share with women or just whatever whatever you might want to share that 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 you might want to offer to anyone else trying to figure this stuff out because you are crushing it and it's been really really cool to to watch your page is amazing and beautiful and and it didn't exist before the school that particular page and so yeah, tell everyone what it is in case they, of course, they're going to want to go look at it and just, I don't know, I just kind of want to hear about your like journey of growing it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so I'm live wild birth free on Instagram and my website's livewildbirthfree.com. And yeah, I, you know, it's crazy to think that I had, I was, it was a doula account when I first started the school, I had maybe a hundred followers and I, yeah, I had, I really had no idea what I was doing with it. I didn't have a vision. I didn't know what I was trying to say. And mm. through the school, I realized what actually I, I was trying to say <laughs> and being very clear about that and not being afraid to actually speak my truth, which we talk, you know, one of the tools we learned in the school is this like your lane of genius. And I think I've actually realized that speaking my truth is one of my lanes of genius. And I have a background in writing, you know, that was my degree. And now I actually get to use it and share my message and it resonates, but you have to be really to get the shares and the hits. You have to be a bit controversial with it. Mm. You can't 
be like trying to please everyone. It's not the sort of, you know, doula mentality of like all birth is equal and, you know. All birth is natural. (laughs) You know, those (laughs) C-sections are natural. Okay. (laughs) And there are still those people that come along, right, in, in your feed and say those things. And you're just like, no, because I'm, you know, when I became a doula, I was like deep in the evidence based world. And that's what I identified. I I was not spiritual in any way at that point. I was still very materialistic and like a little bit committed to the medical system. Um, And the, you know, the science and the evidence is real, but actually the evidence shows that undisturbed birth is what's best. And we can't keep denying that. Like C-sections are never gonna be the optimal way for a child to be born. Yes, it has to happen a very small percentage of the time but it's not well, it never it never has to happen that wouldn't it's, be a simple way of phrasing it. it never has to happen it it is in option sometimes it's you know a I mean? yeah it's an option that women choose sometimes that they might medically require <laughs> yeah, but there is no medical requirement you know like all of that stuff's made up there's no there's no like required c-section right? Like I'm not, and and this is more like philosophical, I guess, but I feel like, like I get, I get, you know, I like get really into how truthful can we speak about this stuff? And Mm. there is no time it's required. There's no, like, there's no like objective authority that requires anything, right? There's only choices. Mm. That's it. And there's only choices and only options, but I know we're saying the same thing. And there's so much power right in this, in the choice that you chose to have a C-section rather than it had to happen or any of those things. And that's what I sort of, when women do come on my Instagram and write in the comments, I had to have a C-section. It wasn't my choice. I'm like, it was, and you got to choose it. And that's actually like, you know, the way it was like, you know, you had presenter previa, it was a life or death scenario that, you know, that occasional time that it might have been an option for you. And it's just, yeah, pretty shocking for people, I think, to, to just hear the, the biological truth of the situation, which is we were designed to be born in a certain way. And that is what is optimal for your health. And you can you could just have to say that over and over again. Right. But like, how is breastfeeding <laughs> so impacted? Weird. Like the fact that we have to keep justifying that natural birth is what is best. It's so weird. <laughs> like we literally have to talk this to death to wake people up that they're just designed to be born like this is so bizarre I hope it never like I hope no one listening ever like forgets how bizarre it is it's like it's like talking about eating food you know it's like talking about breathing clean air like this is the most basic shit that people will still argue and avoid and forget constantly it's so bizarre so how okay so back to Instagram I wanted to ask you in this like truth telling and and you know being willing to put your voice out there being willing to be controversial how have you dealt with the negative stuff because that's pretty much anytime we start around a school that's pretty much like the first thing that a bunch of women reveal when we talk about social media and understandably, right? They're like, I'm terrified. I don't want trolls. I don't want threats. I'm terrified. And, you know, I'm probably the queen of of going through all this shit again and again and again, or the queen in this world. I mean, of course there's people that get it worse. Um, 
but anyway, so yeah, I mean, I have my whole thing that I share about in the school, but I want to hear about it with you because at 10,000 followers doing, you know, birth outside the system work, I'm sure you've had your fair, fair share of, of trolls. Yes. Yeah. It comes around every so often, I think. And it's usually, I see themes that it's like the C-sections or the formula that like seems to get people like very defensive Mm -hmm. about what happened to them. Mm. And there is definitely the like, I'm, I'm harmful. I'm, you know, causing people to die. Like, who do I think I am? I'm not medically trained. I haven't given birth myself. Like, how dare I have any opinions about anything, let alone then be rooted in evidence-based research. Um, It's just like, yeah, it's crazy. But at the same time, I, it it just like comes off me. I'm just like, this is not my business. And like, they're committed to their story. And I, I come from a part, I've got a past in like customer service where you know those angry people would come in with their thing that isn't working and they're like this is I'm gonna kill you if you don't fix this thing for me like very entitled Mm -hmm. and I'm like actually they're just they're not even angry at you or what you've said or anything they're just like there's something going on in their life that they're not happy with and that's all that it is and like you can't be their therapist at the end of the day but you can notice actually this this anger and this sadness and all of these things aren't related to you. And sadly with birth, like so many people are carrying deep trauma around this that some of them are ready to see, you know, differently and others are just going to stay where they're at. And that's all we can do, you know, and I do occasionally send some comments back being like, Oh, I'm, you know, exploring this a little bit more with you. What actually happened? Are you open to a different viewpoint? You know, can I sort of take you into a birth debrief where we actually look at what happened and then for others, it's just like, well, they're, they're way below the line. They're not willing to shift. And it is what it is. And it's not, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, they're just not there yet. But who knows if they will be, they might yeah. come back. So hurt people, hurt like, people. That's it. Hurt, hurt people, troll people. <laughs> yeah. And it's just too easy online, isn't it? Like, because so you don't you don't know them and they don't know you. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm a stranger on the internet. Do you have to justify your birth decisions to me? Like I, you, you don't have to comment on this if you disagree with me, it but 10,000 people are interested in what I have to say. So. Right. I'm like, don't you literally have other things to do? That's always what I think when people send me these long things or these long, hateful emails, I'm like, this must've taken you like an hour. That's a lot of time in your day. Okay. So what about using the word woman? Have you gotten any, any nonsense for having the audacity? Of course. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's just something it's, it's a hot topic, isn't it? With particularly in the birth world and people don't like it (laughs) that we call women, women, um, but again, it's the biological truth of the situation and it definitely came up more at the beginning, but then I think the more that I just mm-hmm. used it, then that's what this page is. And, and essentially I'm appealing, like my ideal client is a woman, you know, I'm not sure. appealing to partners or who, whoever else, this is my ideal client. And you can't tell me who to market to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, I just, I don't have arguments about it. I put it aside. I occasionally have healthy dms where i'll you know 
consider things and people are like oh it's so great to be able to talk to pe people about these things I'm like yeah I'm I'm open to conversation I think conversation is important I'm not one of those who just blocks or deletes comments I disagree with I do think the sort of relationship is important and I think because I've chosen to continue to engage with people in various ways then that's meant that my engagement is quite high across my sort of feed with likes and comments and things rather than it just being like a one-way communication have you have you gotten into any like scary terrain yet has anything felt scary I think like there have been times where people have like wished death upon me and just Whoa. said horrible things but I I think because I don't have a fixed abode I'm quite nomadic in the way that I live my life I'm like they would struggle to like locate me I think if I had a fixed place and I I guess I am conscious that I don't share my exact location anywhere if I'm I'll share like where I was a couple of days ago rather than where I am right now and yeah I think also because I haven't got had children myself yet I don't have it's, I'm just looking after myself but I can understand that as you have a family then that that could be, become worse and I, I'm not afraid at that point to definitely block and delete people Totally. I mean, plus just as your audience grows, I, I mean, my guess is just because this is what was true for me is that you will have less bandwidth to respond or engage with strangers, you know, like as your own, as, as everybody's own audience grows and like your coaching and everything, you know, it's just, God, I remember doing that stuff though it's not possible it's not possible is it you can't maintain it I've got no. I've got help I've had an assistant help me I've got a social media assistant now nice. because I'm not able to to do all of that on my own anymore and that's part of the growth isn't it of your business is accepting that you can't be everything the whole time and even you know even with her I'm like we can't spend the whole day messaging people like that's not feasible no, and we need to profession. protect ourselves yeah. um it's like it is a marketing platform it's not free coaching it's not you know free anything this is my my valuable time and of course I'm in there most of the time but I do have help with it now and I've I do also, think that's sorry. yeah I've, I've found that the women who hit me up with their like sob story in dms are never going to be the women who book the sessions almost never mm. you know so there's a certain type of taker out there who is going to hit up strangers to to suck whatever free free stuff they can get and mm -hmm. I, I almost never convert those into actual clients no and then there's a whole heap of stuff right about it sort of being the entry level and then you need to put in you know we talk about in the school like opt lead magnets and like you then get them on your mailing list and then you build it up from there yeah. like you it's unlikely, you know, it's a percentage of a percentage of those Instagram followers that actually buy from you, but they are, you know, they give you some sort of credibility. I mm. think there's something now that I've got to 10K, I'm like, whoa, like I've got, to, you know, like as if it means something. But I think it does mean something. <laughs> I think that people like to act that it doesn't mean anything, but that's not true. Like, that's not why we're all doing it. Like we all know that an audience size could maybe it's arguable but could equal impact right and impact has power impact has clout impact has 
you know, I don't know the right word, but like, it does mean it does have value. Let's put it that way. Is it like the only thing? Of course not. And I know lots of women with big followings who don't make any money from it and that's fine. Whatever. It doesn't have to be the only reason, but I think there's no denying that there's like impact when thousands and thousands and thousands or tens of thousands or millions or whatever is your thing, like want to hear what you have to say, but you bring up, you know, the important point of like, but are you willing to say it? And I would say a lot of women I know, they could be totally brilliant and totally rebellious and totally all these things. But if they're not willing to speak, Instagram is not going to be the game for them. Yeah, I, I tend to sort of convert people through Instagram, I think. And I, I'm not afraid to sell. I think that's an, another big part of it. You know, the shame of selling um, your service. And I'm actually, you know, I had to do some work around this myself yeah. of being like, actually selling is helping someone, right? Like, it's an, you're offering something to them. You're not sell like, it's not the gross you know shame of selling um where you're like feeling like a sleazy salesman it's a very different thing when actually they're interested in what you're saying and you sure. have more to tell them that's that's just all it is and you have an exchange of some kind in order to get there and then you know when those it's so you know the we talked about the ideal client in the school and really knowing who that person is so that when they come they they're like wow Saima this is exactly what I want. And time is offering it to me. And then you can essentially charge what you want because you've honed the product. You know, you did the same with the school. You created exactly what we wanted and we paid for it. And it's the same with your birth clients. And again, this is something in the doula world, which is just like, you're, you're the doula for everyone. So everyone just charges a set amount. But when you actually, you know, people now will pay, pay a premium for me to attend their birth because I've got 10k followers or because they like what I say like I've built a whole thing around who I am as a birth worker instead of just being trying to be everything to everyone and that's there's so much power in that like let's actually commit to what the work that we want to do and let's provide it to the women that want to see it and let's be on it you know let's be selling to people in in a way that feels an integrity for us it's the only sustainable way. It's literally the only way that will work. So tell me about your birth work a bit more. And you said you had been to some births and, and I'm also curious if you could speak to, yeah, how do you kind of allow yourself to be in this world without having given birth? Because a lot of women ask me that. And obviously I would assume most people know I was a birth worker for yeah, like almost 15 years before I had my baby and it obviously didn't stop me. So I had my own opinions on it, but yeah, that's like a really common question of I've never given birth. Is this really something that women would trust me to teach on or, you know, to attend? And yeah, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think there's definitely the imposter syndrome that comes up around that question quite a lot is a question that I get from other doulas who haven't had children and something that really struck me was that there are so many people who are credited in the birth world you know doctors midwives who haven't had children given birth you know any male that's basically in the industry is never going to and but for some reason you know a male gynecologist or a male obstetrician 
is the authority but apparently as a woman I'm as a woman who hasn't birthed yet I'm not um that you know for me it was like oh that's just so obvious and then <laughs> yeah the fact the I don't think you need to have given birth in order to understand birth and support birth is actually you know for me I've always been so comfortable with birth as as a young girl I was obsessed with birth like me and my friends we would always play like that I was like basically the birth keeper and they were giving birth and like I was like four years old and then I was like teaching my two-year-old brother about where babies come from and it's always just been like fascinating for me that now that I have come to a more spiritual place I can see that I've done some you know past life work in birth and it it's just part of my identity and I don't I don't think like birth work is just like learning the stuff or you know giving birth yourself is it's so much more than that and there are going to be women that like feel the call to work with you whatever your own experiences are and also that I know some amazing birth workers who've chosen never to give birth and I highly respect them and I would still happily have them at my birth so why wouldn't another woman have have me there so I guess there's been yeah a lot of unlearning around this idea that you need to have experienced it yourself but I do think it will I think my business will change after I've experienced it and that's part of the well that's kind of yeah that's kind of the thing is it's like it's like yes and like of course any woman is entitled to this work if she is chosen by her community and she says yes like that's all a traditional midwife ever was and is typically traditionally it was women who had given birth but it didn't have to be. It just tended to be from my understanding historically, but regardless, you know, a midwife is someone who's chosen and chosen by her community and that, and she says, yes. And also when you birth, everything will change. Both are true, but one's not, it's not, yeah, it's, it's not an imposter thing. I would say males in the birth room are imposters. Fuck yeah. But any woman is allowed to be in this work because it's ours. We literally own it. It's ours. And this is a terrible comparison. I probably shouldn't say this on a recorded, a recorded episode, but I think about it like the flu or something. Well, I don't even know if I believe in the flu, but like being sick, like being sick, like you don't have to have had food poisoning to know how to intuitively take care of someone who's having food poisoning it's a terrible comparison but do you know what I mean like it's so intuitive how to care for somebody you know hugging a toilet thinking they're gonna die and you're like yeah it's gonna be okay here you go here's some electrolyte water it's gonna be okay (laughs) you know and again really really bad comparison I'm not there are a couple times where I, I do compare birthing to being sick because it is just kind of there are similarities we can't deny that there are some similarities but this is everything we're trying to unlearn them yeah well when I did not have a child that was what I thought of and I remember when I did not have a child I would be like oh my god I'm so much more available that would be how I would like pitch myself when women would bring it up when I was interviewing with them I would be like oh I have no kid that's going to get sick. Like I have no kid that I'm going to ever prioritize over you. 
you know, it's a totally different ballgame when you, when you have kids, of course, how could it not be? It's way harder. Duh. Yeah. It's definitely one of the selling points of being childless where you just say, yeah, you're my number one priority. And the fact is once I'm a mother, you're always going to be second. Like the client is never first. So if you are that client who wants the full attention off your birth keeper, then we're the way to go really, aren't we? I don't know if it's true that my kid is always my number one. I think that my client is still actually my number one client, like prioritize priority, but I've never dealt with like my daughter really needing me. Like if she like broke her arm or if there was some sort of crazy thing, then of course she would be, but like, if everything's fine, which it always has been since I've given birth and gone to birth. (laughs) Yeah. It's also very different when you're a doula because the woman has this expectation of you giving up everything to be with her and like the you're saving her and you know all of that narrative versus the woman that chooses a birth keeper who is taking responsibility for herself who's usually independent you know that actual like I don't actually need you there but I I want you to be there so I do think that it's very different with my clients now and I do think that that is much more suited to having multiple commitments and you know mm-hmm. actually that is much more in integrity and more sustainable in terms of like you can't just keep giving and giving yourself right. to women like that is the doula narrative mm-hmm. and you just come out and you're so drained and you're like you need therapy and like tra- <laughs> trauma yeah. debriefing yourself versus this like actually these are my boundaries this is when we work like you know this is when there's availability I you know actually I might need to do some self-care um this is, you know, just a lot more sort of conversation instead of being like literally the servant to the woman, right? That's what the what a doula is. That's the Greek sort of I remember, Yeah, I remember in, in a doula training a long time ago, they said, just make sure you're charging enough that it can cover your therapy and your massages <laughs> that you'll need. I was like, wait, that's a red flag, everybody. <laughs> okay, I want to hear about your personal like what it was like to go from doulaing in the hospital to then attending births outside the system. Like, tell me about that. I think that's how I just knew that like, this is in like my, my blood and like in my bones was that just that I, I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be when I was at a birth that was unassisted, you know, from a medical perspective. I was just like, this is how birth is supposed to be. Like, can I wasn't I hadn't been led astray I hadn't been made to believe that we needed any of that I was still the whole time that I was attending hospital births I was still like this is wrong this isn't how it should be why is it like this yeah so I didn't have any commitment to needing anyone I know there's a lot of doulas out there who were like I don't want to attend births unassisted by a medical provider and because they don't trust birth and I don't know if that's because they they've got their own story they've got their own you know history but for me, it was, it was very fluid. And I was like, this is how it's, it's just so obvious, right? When you see it, you're like, the woman is actually in like enjoying her birth experience. Yeah, everyone experiences it differently, but it's not being abused. <laughs> like It's actually her giving birth. It's not actually like other people yeah. do, like giving birth for her. I don't know how to, like in the hospital, it's just like, she's yeah. never the one doing it. It's other people doing it for her. 
She's like a, she's just like a fish on the table. It's, and everyone's just like gutting her and pulling the baby out. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's just like, it's not giving birth in the hospital. Like that's, we can't even use those words for what hospital birth is. It's extraction. That's really what I call hospital birth. And it's just not how, it, it's just bad for everyone. <laughs> everyone involved. Um, obviously not people making money from it, um, but for it's the- It's gotta be bad for their soul. Mm. It's gotta be bad for their karma. Yeah, but they're just, you know, I still speak to midwives who are a bit on the fence about this mm-hmm. and they sort of want to leave the system, but they're like, can, is this still possible? There's still this presentation. There's still this like thing yeah. that happens with the brain development. Like, do we need ultras? I think we might need ultras. I'm like, so indoctrinated. you know, they're just, and it's, I think it's so different. I'm so glad because I, I initially wanted to become a midwife, but I couldn't, I'd already got a degree and I couldn't afford to do the training. But midwives have like been conditioned. And I think as doulas, it's much easier for us to move across to birth keeper than it is for a midwife. Like a midwife has so much more unlearning to do and a, like a bigger commitment to the system. And to be honest, I don't know if you can ever come back from that. I, I'm very you know, curious. I'm always more curious to speak to midwives leaving the system. But I do think as a doula, it is easier. Well, yeah. I mean, a doula was never like, never be- believed, never t- was under the impression that she was in charge of the woman in a way that a medical midwife is yeah it's way more unlearning for sure I mean mm-hmm. they literally are taught for years that they're how the mother baby stays safe that's a lot to unlearn and take off your shoulders but I do think you can come back from it I definitely know midwives who have put it down and rewired their brain and reconnected to, you know, the original call of birth work. But I do think it takes a lot of work. Mm. There's definitely women doing it for sure. It's the whole fear of death thing that seems to be the big thing that comes up with a lot of the women that I work with and birth workers as well as this, you know, idea that we can prevent death you know, at all costs in, in the system. And that's why it's there. And that's why it's this amazing thing. And we have to do this sort of big conversation around acceptance of risk and death and that that is a huge surrender. And actually that is part of the transformation into the sort of mother role is that knowing you've given life to this beautiful individual, but that, that death could show up any time and you're never sort of faced with it. And those women who sort of bypass this acceptance around death then aren't prepared for like the shock that, whoa, I have to now deal with this, like that my child could get hit by a bus tomorrow because I haven't faced that in the birth process. Yeah, and then with birth workers, it's like fear of death and fear that they'll be blamed, which is really just the perfect formula to pit women against each other. It's really brilliant, man. Yeah, got it down. the fear of of blame also comes up with the the parents right they think oh if I'd had a midwife and something happens then the community won't blame me but if I've made choices you know that's another one that really comes up a lot more actually maybe more so than the fear of death right that's what I mean yeah the Mm -hmm. blame 
But like, at what point are you going to live your damn life? And what kind of story are you trying to give your kid? Or your whole legacy, right? Okay, so tell me a little bit more, and then we'll, we'll wrap, about what your work looks like now. You have a program or something, or tell me, tell me, like, promote yourself. Tell us what you're doing. Definitely, yeah. I... So my work is very different now. I mainly work online. I have a group radical birth education program that I teach as integrated coaching and birth education together. I invite partners to come join us because I think that's actually quite a big part of the work. And we meet over eight weeks and we work through, there's a whole pre-recorded section, but we also meet live weekly to explore questions and thoughts that are coming up. And we do live coaching on those calls. And I do, I run one once a quarter. And that is my main sort of income stream now. And I've had, you know, quite large groups. I've over the course of the year, I've had about 50 couples come through and, you know, the, the rates of intervention versus your app, like your mainstream birth education course is crazy. I'm just like, how the, like the standard birth education you get is literally preparation for intervention. It's telling you like, this is what's going to happen to you. And, you know, such important work around prenatal care and all you know actually acknowledging the fears and how, how much partner you know the, the partner stuff that comes up you know all about the, the father trying to hero the mother and it's it's amazing to witness the sort of transformation over the eight weeks and we we cover everything to really come out of the other side feeling confident I don't I don't really teach any you know what what happens if in this scenario it's just coming out being like this I'm ready for this and I can do this and I, I've had, you know, the occasional woman who has chosen hospital for whatever reason, but still come out, come out with the low intervention birth in the hospital, which has been really fascinating because that's not what, what the intention of, of the program is. But really interesting to see that when a woman is prepared in a certain way, that it seems that actually a hospital becomes a less sort of dangerous place. I mean, you know, it's, it's never not, not dangerous, but... <laughs> For whatever reason, sometimes it, you know it's what they choose. Um, and then I offer, I, I have circles online, pregnancy circles. Um, I have a big birth worker group in the UK, so we meet monthly and explore, you know, what it's like to support free birth in the UK. And I think there's, you know, going to be a huge movement towards free birth in, in the coming years because we're seeing in the UK that the system is so so broken. You know, of course it's broken on purpose. But people are still trying to save it from the inside. And, you know, this is where I came from. Originally, I was like, oh, let's change the system from the inside. Maybe I'll go into public policy and all of these things when I started out. And I was like, actually, we need, we need to acknowledge that this, the system is the way that it is for a reason. And we need to actually step out of it and start a new paradigm. It's not possible to, to fix that in any way. And we, I, women are waking up to realizing that this is not the way to do things. So it's amazing to see this, you know, the group sort of growing and women sharing their stories and like doulas and midwives just taking another path. And I think all of this crazy stuff that's happening in the world right now is only helping our cause because so many people are waking up. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I'm, it's been, it's just amazing to hear almost every day women coming out, of, you know, from my Instagram, from my newsletter, from my courses, from my one-to-one sessions with their stories. And I'm like, this is so different to the work I used to do as a doula. Like, you know, that you thought that being a doula was like really meaningful and that you were like making a difference in their lives, but 
this is a very like this feels very different and actually I'm I'm almost like putting less in and getting more out so it's much more like this I you know I can do this is it this is this is the work (laughs) so you already told us but just tell us again how can women find you if they want to work with you and learn from you I'm Saima. I'm yeah, a radical birthkeeper and women's coach. I offer group programs and one-to-one mentoring. And you can find me on at LiveWildBirth3 on Instagram and LiveWildBirth3.com. Awesome. Love it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. I'm so appreciative for all of your offerings. And I'm so excited for anyone who is going to be taking the Radical Birthkeeper School in the next cohort. Thank you. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise, and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your We choose love, everything with intention, death, ascension, I will fly and bring her back.